Hey guys, it's RJ and Angie, and this is the Rich by Intention podcast. Hey babe, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm feeling good. You know, finally, <laughs> we were all under the weather the past few days, so just glad to be feeling like myself. Yeah, started with me, and then our daughter. Yeah, and I thought I was in the clear, but <laughs> nope. You gotta take you gotta take some more vitamin C. I know, right? I gotta take my zinc. I gotta take my vitamin D. But anyway, it wasn't COVID, but. So we've just been, you know, trying to recuperate and, you know, just get back to 100%. Ladies and gentlemen, the common code is back. Yes, right. (laughs) Exactly. No, but just good to be feeling good. You know, I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm glad our little baby is feeling better. Just back to back to us. But um, I'm ready to get into this episode. Yeah, I'm excited too. We have a great guest, Danielle Davis. She is the founder of Money in Matrimony, where she helps married couples get on a path to building wealth. We discuss how her and her husband got on the same page to pay off their debt. You guys are going to really enjoy this episode. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. And follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and inspiration. Danielle, we're so excited to have you join us on the podcast. You have such an amazing platform specifically for couples. RJ and I, we're all about couples managing money with intentions. It's really a pleasure to have you on the Rich by Intention podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So for our listeners that may not know about you, Danielle, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So as they said, I'm Danielle Davis, and I run an online platform called Money and Matrimony. And basically, Money and Matrimony was birthed out of my husband's and I own experiences um, with money, our failures, our struggles, just everything that we've done to get us to a place to be, you know, consumer debt-free, having paid off over $100,000 worth of debt in just under three years. And so all of that is kind of, you know, what made money and matrimony what it is today. So that's kind of how I got here. That's great. I mean, wow, like you and your husband paid off over $100,000 of debt in three years. I definitely want to dive into that. So what specifically does money and matrimony, you know, offer to people? Yeah, so basically, the goal is to help married couples get rid of debt, earn more income, and save for the future. And I've been just having some clarity moments over the past couple of weeks. And I just want to help couples build a level of financial intimacy that then helps them to build generational wealth, right? So that's something that, you know, many young couples struggle with, older couples struggle with, like, it's, it's just a, a general struggle that many of married couples have. And so I think I'm kind of leaning towards that way. You know, I'm, I'm not changing too much about my platform, but I am kind of leaning in more um, heavily to the financial intimacy piece, because I think that's an important part of marriage. And as we know, money fights and money issues are one of the top causes of divorce. And so I think this is something we're putting in some time and some effort into. Yeah, Agreed, agreed. And getting on the same page of money is so important. And I know in, in order to pay off that six figures of debt, you and your husband had to be on the same page. So can you tell us a little bit how did you and your husband pay off the six figure debt? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with this. So about, let me see, maybe 10 or 11 years ago, we actually took a class at our church 
And, you know, it kind of, it was a 13 week course and it gave us like the foundation of what we needed to do uh, with our personal finances. Now, here's the thing. My background is in accounting, right? So I know a little bit about the numbers, right? But we were doing all kinds of stuff with our money. So we've been married for just over 14 years. And, you know, like I said, we took that class, but after the 13 weeks was over, we didn't quite keep up with everything that we like, we didn't implement it, right? So we did a few things and maybe a few months after the class ended, we were back to our normal selves. So here's the thing, several years go by. And then I find out after 10 years of marriage that I'm going to become a mom. He's going to become a dad. So we're like, uh, <laughs> we need to get ourselves together. And so finding out that we were going to become parents, it did something to like, it lit a fire under us. And we basically were like, look, we cannot, you know, bring this child into the world with all this debt. So at the time we had, um, we didn't have any credit card debt, but we had student loans and we had car notes between the two of us. And once we found out that we were about to become parents, like we just, like I said, we just got to move on. Um, we prayed about it. And then, you know, we asked God to just show us how to do this because we were bringing in the income. The income was not the problem. It's just that we were doing whatever we wanted to do with our money. So we'll, we'll pay a little bit extra on the student loans, but we weren't like killing it like we could based on the income that we were bringing in. And so, you know, we had our talk with each other. We had our talk with God. And the next thing you know, we started just putting things into place. And normally we would kind of clash because I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I'm more of the saver and my husband is more of the spender. And so we've always like, clashed a little bit, even though I would like create a budget and, you know, try to get him on the same page, he would still be like doing what he wanted to do. And so that always created like a little bit of tension in our relationship, but bringing this child into the world, it just hit differently. And, um, before she made, before she made two years old, we were able to get out of all of our consumer debt. So we still have a mortgage and we are working on that as well. But that's just, amazing. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, I think just having a why is so important because it sounds like based on what you said, you guys started the course, this 13 week course with the intention of, OK, let's get on the same page. When did you actually start that course, by the way? Was it in the beginning of your marriage? Kind of. Yeah. It, yeah, it was in the beginning of okay. our marriage. So, so yeah, 2010, so 2011. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you started out your marriage with the intentions of getting on the right track with money, but for whatever reason, that why, that strong why, may not have been there just yet. But the fact that you became pregnant and you you were bringing a new life into this world just lit a fire under you guys. And I think that's something that we want our listeners to to just take away, like having that why of why you want to get control of your finances, why you want to start building wealth for your family was so important and just trying to really think about what is the reason what's going to light that fire under you to just change your financial position I, I totally agree if you don't have that we didn't have that at first we had the income we had the tools and the resources to get the process started but we didn't have a why therefore 
we stayed in thousands of dollars of debt until we got that. You know, one thing I want to ask is like, even before you guys got married, what were your conversations around money while you guys were dating? Especially given that you said that you're more of the saver and he's more of the spender. Like, I kind of want to like outline for our listeners, what are some of the things that you noticed about his money habits, that things that he noticed about your money habits that kind of lit lit a light in you, if you will? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. So I met my husband in eighth grade. And so we've been knowing each other for a very long time. So we play dated in the eighth grade and then we got a little bit more serious after we took a break. And then um, maybe our junior senior year, we got back together or whatever. So really there weren't any major conversations going on. Yeah, 14 years old, right? Like (laughs) how much money talk? (laughs) How are you sharing your allowance within your budget? (laughs) No, we're talking about getting chips and cookies out of school. Going to the corner store. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So we, you know, we weren't talking at that age. And even as we, you know, got older, 16, 17 years old, like we still weren't talking about that stuff. I think it got really serious when he decided to propose. So that was like back in 05 and I'm from New Orleans. So it was like a few months after Hurricane Katrina. And so I think it got serious then because it was like, okay, now we're going to be getting married. We have to pay for all of these wedding expenses. How are we going to do it? You know, how much are you contributing? How much overtime are we going to have to work? Because we were still in college when he proposed. So it's like, okay, how much are we going to have to contribute to each of these things that we're going to have to pay for? Because our parents did help us a little bit, but the bulk of it fell on us. And so that's when we really kind of had to get a plan, get some things in place and kind of start, you know, moving into the direction of, yeah, we probably should uh, talk about money right now. So I, I think that was one of the first ways I remember us really trying to at least get on the same page with money. No, I I think we often like to express to, you know, our listeners, our audience that it's so important to start those money conversations earlier um, than later, because, you know, money can be a taboo topic in relationships. And then once you're at the walking down the aisle with the person, you know, you should at least try to like start understanding each other's, you know, mindset around money well before you guys walk down the aisle together, you know, and so introducing just easy conversations around money, understanding like what their childhood was like um, with money is just so important. And so no, I think it's kind of cool that you guys uh, met in the eighth grade. And so you pretty much grew up together. So you really know each other very well. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And one thing that you said, I want to just kind of go back to like just digging into that money story and figuring out, you know, what type of experiences you may have had as a child, what you saw your parents do with money, because sometimes we bring that into our relationships and we shouldn't even be bringing that stuff into our relationships. That does, you know, that doesn't work for everybody. Right. And so just kind of asking those questions. I mean, of course, I didn't know that back then, you know, when I'm 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, I didn't know to ask, well, you know, what do you think about a a spending plan? What do you think about having debt? You know, what do you think about all these student loans we keep taking out and, you know, using some of the money for what we're supposed to be using it for and then doing some other stuff with the rest of the money? Like, I didn't think to ask those questions and neither did he. And so, 
had we had those conversations or had we been taught to have those conversations, I don't think we would have been in the amount of debt that we were in. Because one thing I always say, I don't like to say that I have regret, but I'm no dummy, right? And so I know I could have done better in high school. Now, I wasn't making like C's, D's, and F's. I was making A's and B's, but I could have been making all A's had I really applied myself. And what does that mean? Maybe more scholarship funds, you know, maybe more grants. And so I think about all that and I'm like, man, if I would have just did a little bit better, put forth some more effort, look for more scholarships, I wouldn't have had all these student loans. And same with him. No, he's no dummy. And so um, I often think about that, like how the trajectory of our lives may have been different had we, you know, known better and made different decisions when we were young. Yeah, I think I think we have the same thoughts. I had lion's share of debt and ninety thousand dollars. And it's just like, you know, I could have went to a state school, school. I could have <laughs> went to community college. And that money that we eventually paid off together could have been used to invest or start a business or tons of things. So that's why for us, it's very important that our daughter does not have the same experience. And we're very intentional to make sure that she's set up for college. So like she doesn't have regrets or she's able to take that risk or that chance in terms of starting a business or, you know, just pursuing whatever her goals are. Yeah. And I think hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Like we always look back and be like, dang, I should have done this. But I think through it all, like at the end of the day, what's important and what we want our listeners to take from this is that, you know, you can take action today, no matter what your circumstances, if you're in six figures of debt, like both of us were, <laughs> each of us were, you know, it's possible to get out of it. So I kind of want to pivot back to your story about how you guys paid off debt. I want to dig into the story about like how you're the saver and he's the spender. So I know that your daughter was the why and kind of lit a fire under you. But what was that process like? Like, I know it's not easy to pay off one, it took three years, right? So you guys were in this for for a while trying to get your hands around this debt. Like, what was that like? What were the changes you had to make to really tackle this? together? That's a great question. Um, For one, it took a lot of discipline. And I feel like my husband always tells me this. And that's the only reason that I'm saying it. I feel like I can be much more disciplined than my husband. And I can say, okay, we've got a goal, we got to stick to it. Let's run with it. Him, on the other hand, (laughs) he'll try to find ways to, you know, maybe maneuver around it a little bit, see how much he can get from something. And so that's always been a challenge. I, I think one of the other things for us was that just the sacrifice that's involved in doing something like this, having to say no to all this stuff. We're big on giving. And so having to maybe cut down on, you know, the amount we give somebody for, you know, a birthday or a shower or just like a love offering, like we're big on that kind of stuff. And during that season, it just felt just really difficult. There were a lot of tears. Um, there were there were some laughs, too, but it was it was a lot of tears and just kind of feeling down like is this worth it? You know, like what, what's the, what's the benefit or the outcome on the other side? And we just kept saying, you know, our daughter, like just, we tried to have tunnel vision with that. And so the biggest two for us definitely was the sacrifice 
and the the discipline. But also within that, there was a little bit of um, of embarrassment. And I don't know that I've ever shared this story, but it comes to mind. So I'll go ahead and share it. While we were going through this journey, we had like an old truck. And one day our neighbor text us and he basically said, I think your truck rolled out of the driveway across the street to the other neighbor's lawn. And he sent the picture. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh my God. Like, this is so embarrassing. Like, God, why are you doing this to us? Like, you know what we're trying to do. You know, we're, we're trying to stay on track. We're, you know, we're trying how, to do right with our money. How did that happen? Like, was it in, like, it, in it was already, or? it was an older truck that we had. And it was all, we were already starting to have some trouble with the transmission. At one point, my husband had it, like, he had some bricks, like, behind the tires. <laughs> so, you know, so it wouldn't roll back. And then, when our neighbor sent that picture, I was like, this is not even worth it. It's not even worth it. Like we need to go get you. And it was my husband's vehicle. So I'm like, we need to go get you a new vehicle. Like we need to kind of navigate this. And so we had a lot of challenges while we were trying to pay off that debt. And so, you know, I know all of it, you know, my, all of what I said may sound bad, but at the end of it, the reward at the end of just not having Sally Mae slash Navian on our backs anymore, you know, not having to worry about paying the, the auto loan folks, like all of that. I don't know. Like it makes me get teary eyed just thinking about it. Though Those are probably some of the things that we faced while, you know, we were on that three year journey. Wow. Yeah. The, the journey is definitely so worth it. But in, in at times you're just like, is it worth it? Like, should we do this? And definitely can relate to that. Um, what other challenges were you having when you were paying off the debt? And also, did you reward yourself as you hit certain milestones? Yeah, like just to follow up on RJ's question, what were the tactics that you actually did to kind of reduce expenses or in increase your income? Did you do any of that? Yeah. So one thing I'll say, so we had that truck because we had a little business that we were doing and basically we would go around the city and enter into these fairs and festivals and, you know, just kind of do little things on the side um, so that we could sell our gourmet nuts. So it was a gourmet nut business. And basically we, you know, we'd haul everything on a trailer and go to all these places and, you know, we would sign up for fairs and festivals and um, sell our nuts. So that was one thing that we did to kind of help us bring in some more income. Other things that we did were basically we started selling stuff in the house. So like one, we had you know, some issues in our house or whatever, where it, a pipe burst. And I ended up having to uh, move everything out of the closet and put into wardrobe boxes. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen some of these wardrobe boxes, but they're like huge. And, you know, they, they cost a few dollars. So after we were done with all of that, I was like, okay, I have no use for this and we're not just going to throw it out on the curb. So I went on the Nextdoor app. That's an app we use here, I guess in certain parts of Texas. And so I um, went on the Nextdoor app and I was like, I have, you know, six or seven uh, wardrobe boxes and I like sold them for $10 and somebody came and picked them. Like I didn't even have to move them. So it was like an easy $60, $70 just selling like random stuff like that. My husband also had, um, he has like a bunch of clothes 
And he started going to like the different consignment shops and, you know, selling his clothes. So that was another way that we were able to, um, to, to bring income in. So those were a few things I can think of off the top of my head, but you asked me another question. Re-ask how, it I, how did you, did you reduce any expenses? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Ours too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so one of the things we did was we lowered the deductible on our, um, or raised the deductible, not lower raise the deductible on our insurance because it's like, okay, if we have an emergency, we know we could take care of it. So it went on ahead and raised the deductible. That way our premium, you know, went down on our insurance. So that was one thing. I just started like negotiating, you know, all these different rates. I got rid of the cable. I called the cell phone company and was like, look, you know, can you reduce this by this amount? And they gave me a few dollars off. So that was helpful. Um, one of the other things that I did called the electricity company could you put me on a different plan like I, I really just started exercising that negotiation muscle because I'm like we're trying to get out of this debt and so we need to do you know everything that we can I suspended my I get like monthly massages that is part of my self-care. I normally don't like to pay for too much self-care. I'll do the free stuff all day, but I'm like massages. That's something that's important to me. And so for a period, just for a period, it's back now <laughs> for a period, <laughs> um, I went on ahead and canceled that membership or just suspended it for a little while. Um, let me see what else we did. Cause I know that there's so much more. It's just not coming to me right now, but anything that I could negotiate like I was on it. Like that's not something my husband wants to partake in. And so he kind of left that up to me, but I, I was on it. I was getting the bills down. So that was the biggest thing for us. Yes. The power of reducing your expenses and then increasing your income is powerful, right? Like you will expedite your debt payoff substantially by just doing those two things. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, we tell our audience is the power of negotiation. Oftentimes you don't think things are negotiable, but my husband always says everything is negotiable for the most part. Right. Yeah. And that's something that we did during our own debt payoff journey. And so we want our listeners to take away, like if there's call up your utility company, call up your electric company, ask, there's no, there's nothing wrong with just asking the question. All you can hear is no. And so we want to like, just encourage people that are listening to the, just call up utility company, call, you know, who else yes, would you yeah, recommend? I, I would say, start with your phone, uh, phone company, company yep, right? Yep. Because a lot of times we with them, the same person for like 10 years or five mm -hmm. years, and they want to keep us. They know, you know, when it comes to a business in general, it's, it's much better to keep your customer than look for a new one. So they will definitely work with you. I, I mean, I used to call every six months to get my bill reduced by $30. They would just do it and put a promo code on there. So there's so many ways that you can reduce your income. I mean, reduce your expenses uh, to uh, really save money. I agree with that. And one other thing I wanted to say was about my auto insurance. And so switching company, I did a post. I don't know if that was last year. I can't remember, but I posted on social media, something to the extent of, you know, we don't need to be loyal to these companies because you would think that you would continue to get like um, good payer discounts and all that kind of stuff. But I kept saying, well, I, I haven't gotten into any accidents. I haven't gotten any tickets. Why does my premium keep going up? 
And finally, I had been with my same insurance company. My husband and I had been with the same insurance company um, for maybe 12 or 13 years. And so I called another company because I was like, look, um, I'm trying to get some new rates. You know, let me know what you can offer. They offered me, you know, a pretty good deal. So I called the company that I had been loyal to. For 12 or 13 years, always paid in full, and they wouldn't honor the new company's rate. And I made the tough decision to leave that company. And I saved like $250, $300 just by switching companies. So I I just want to let listeners know that, you know, if you don't get what you want, be ready to walk away. Be ready to walk away. If it's going to get you, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars, be ready to walk away. And one other thing I did, this just came to me. I had a I had a vehicle and I had the help. I, I can't even remember what it's called right now, but it's the um like the warranty that you have on the vehicle. And I got into an accident. This was a couple of years ago, really before we even started to get like super serious about paying off the debt. But um, I had a warranty on that vehicle. That vehicle was paid off. And so there was still like money. And I I hope I'm describing this right, but there was still money that I could pull because the warranty was unused. The car was gone. I was getting another car and the warranty could not be transferred to the new car. So I, and I don't know what made me think of this, but I called the, uh, the dealership and I was like, look, that warranty is unused. How much can I get? I got a check for over a thousand dollars. We got to think outside the box. I don't know how that came to me, why I thought of it, but I'm like, I paid for like this extra warranty when I bought this car. And so when, you know, after I had already paid off the car, got into an accident, I no longer have the car. Let me see what's up with this warranty. Sure enough, I got a check. So all of that kind of stuff just helps. Just start thinking outside the box. Yeah, no, definitely. Thinking outside the box asking, calling up companies and just asking the question, like you said, not being afraid to walk away if you don't like the answer that you hear back. So, so no, I think that's great. And I love that you and your husband did this together. Right. And I'm wondering during this time, after you guys got married, were were your finances combined or did you guys have separate accounts? So we started combining our finances pretty early on. I don't think, I don't remember it being like immediate, but I would say within that first year, we were combining our finances. And so that's how I knew that he was, that's how I knew that he was sort of a a kind of big spender and, you know, likes to eat out. I mean, I already had a feeling, right? Because I'm with this person. So I already can see it. But then when it's like, okay, we have to pay these bills, make sure your check is coming into the same account that my check is coming on. So that is coming into. And so we got to see that pretty early on. And I don't know why I didn't pick up that we both had some real bad (laughs) habits, (laughs) you know, not like drugs or anything like that, just like food, you know, that food will eat up your budget. But um, yeah, we did start that pretty early on. And so as we've grown and matriculated into this process of paying off debt, I think it's gotten a little bit easier because we're used to having that you know, combined money. We put all of our income into the same pot. We pay all of our expenses out of that same pot. But one thing I will mention is that 
We also have our own little separate accounts for our fund money. So, you know, we're paying all the bills from the joint account, but then we do take, we do allocate a little bit of that money for our fund money. And we put that in our own little individual accounts and we do with it as we please. So, you know, the combining of finances is, I guess, a controversial topic (laughs) for married couples. You know, everyone has their own thoughts and opinions on whether couples should or shouldn't combine finances. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it is such a hot topic for couples? Because I, I think couples feel like they're losing like their freedom and individuality. And, you know, I think couples have to realize that you're not, they have to just reframe the way that they're thinking, because essentially you're not losing something. You're actually gaining a friend to help you on this journey. Like with my husband, since I'm the saver, I gained somebody who could balance me out because if it was left up to me, there would be <laughs> little fun. <laughs> All the money would go into a savings account or, you know, investment account or whatever, like all the money would be put up, but I need him to balance me out. He needs me to help balance him out because if left up to him, all the money would be spent. And so um, I think couples have to look at it that way. But I, I think just the thought of feeling like you're going to lose something is really hard on couples. So that's probably one of the, the biggest struggles I feel that couples have when it comes and, to combining those finances. Yeah. And I think you you kind of said something earlier, like with your husband, you know, I think there's a level of transparency that we're not always or vulnerability that we're not always ready to share, right? Like you mentioned that, you know, once you guys combine finances, you're like, wait, I knew my husband, we've been together since 14, but <laughs> I didn't realize his spending habits were like this. But I think that can be a challenge. Yeah, like, I know he likes food, but I know he likes food that much. <laughs> so, so always think, no. <laughs> no, and I think when you combine finances, it does offer that level of being vulnerable, being transparent about your habits, And I think that can be uncomfortable for for some couples. So with that combining finances, if a couple was interested in doing it or about to get married, like what are some tips that they should do before they actually combine their money so they can have a strong foundation? So first, I will just kind of give a disclaimer because I am a big fan of combining finances, but I don't recommend couples to combine finances when there's some kind of money eating habit or addiction, maybe, you know, gambling, drugs, whatever, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, that may not be a good situation in which a couple should combine finances. But I'll say the first thing, the first way couples can, you know, just start to get to know each other before they combine these finances, I would say they need to be transparent. They need to be transparent and honest about, you know, how they feel about it. And that goes back to talking about that money story to kind of digging into, you know, thoughts, feelings, beliefs, attitudes about money. What happened to you? You know, what what experiences did you go through with money, you know, in your childhood? So just kind of having that, um, that kind of talk, just kind of getting to the root of maybe some of the issues that you might have. Um, what else? I'm um, just talking about some of those past debts that, you know, couples may have that they may be bringing into the relationship, right? And so that goes back to, again, transparency is if there's other past financial obligations, like talk about that stuff, stuff that you might be doing for 
you know, friends or family now, that needs to be talked about because we don't want to combine finances and then you're taking care of somebody on this side, spending two or $300 a month that I didn't know about. And so I think the key to being able to effectively do this is to really, you know, just be honest, just be open, just be transparent before you actually combine the finances. Yeah. And I think since you talked about you being a saver and him being a spender, I think it's very important that you give each other grace and a judgment-free zone, right? To have these conversations because all it's going to do is help you combine, become one, and then accomplish the goals that you do have. I agree. And don't play the blame game, right? So if there were any kind of past, you know, financial mistakes, like we all make mistakes, doesn't matter, you know, what we think we know, we make mistakes. And so not playing the blame game can be super beneficial when you're trying to combine your finances as well. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I know for us, like the combining of our finances outweigh the risk, right? Mm -hmm. There's so much benefit to just being one in our finances where we're able to easily build a legacy together, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all, like we see everything that's coming in together. We allocate everything together. We also have our fund money account where we allocate our money that we can each spend independently, however, in whichever way we want. Um, And I think that's important too. Like, so if you're listening, you know, this might be something you want to try. Like if you don't have an allowance account, you know, with your spouse, that might be something that you might want to consider opening up. I I agree with that because that still makes couples feel as if they have some kind of freedom, right? I don't want to run every little expense by my husband. Oh, you know, I want to, you know, go get a manicure, a pedicure, eyebrows, like whatever it is. I don't want to have to run all of those small things by my husband. So if I have my own little separate account on the side, I can just take the money from there and get whatever, you know, self-care or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that I need. And I don't have to go talk to him about every little bitty thing. Yeah. And and to add to that, I forgot what podcast or interview it was, but there was a question. It was like, hey, like what amount should the other party get involved when you're buying something? Is it a hundred dollars? Is it five hundred dollars? Is it a thousand dollars? And once you agree to that, like that sets the standard for like how you handle. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking of that same exact question because that came up in our marriage counseling. Yes. So like our marriage counselor right before we got married asked us what denomination. So what dollar amount does RJ need to consult you about in order for him to make this purchase. So is it a hundred dollars? Is he able to just go to Best Buy and buy a hundred dollar gadget without telling you, or is it a thousand dollars? Is he able to just walk into Macy's or um, Nordstrom? I don't know, wherever, and just spend a thousand dollars without consulting you. So like, what are you comfortable with? And I think that's, yeah, I think to your point, babe, it's like important for couples to understand that very early on, like, what number or what dollar amount are you comfortable with me spending without consulting you? Yeah. And I think each, that's a very good point. Each couple is going to have to sit down and analyze that for themselves, right? I can't just say, oh, well, so-and-so says the average is $200, you know, that, you know, before you need to sit down and speak with your spouse about whatever it is that you're going to purchase. But all of us have different incomes. We have different situations. And so we can't just throw a number out there. Couples have to sit down and assess their spending plans and see, you know, and, and talk about that and then come up 
with, you know, the number that they feel comfortable with. So that's a, that's a great point. Yeah. And I think like, this just goes back to being on a budget, you know, like if you didn't hear it from us already, it's important for you and your family to just get on a budget or a spending plan. Like Danielle said, because that's how, that's the only way that you're going to be able to manage your finances and to even answer that question about what's the dollar amount that we're comfortable um, spending without consulting each other. And the motivating factor, Danielle, you brought it up earlier was your why, like it's very hard to do something where it's not tied to a specific goal or a why, right? So it's always important to go back to that. What's the why? Is it for to provide for education for your children so they don't have debt like you did? Is it for retirement? Is it for, you know, to buy your next home? Is it whatever that goal is or that why is, make sure you write it down. Make sure you talk about it. Make sure you go deeper, right? If, it, if the why is for retirement, why is retirement important? Because you don't want to have to work till you're like 70. Why is it important not to work 70? Because you want to enjoy time with your kids. Like go deeper, right? So you can fill it, it in your core. It needs to be a common why. Like if you're married, yeah. it needs to be common to the two of you, right? Like It can't just be, well, this is what I want to do, you know, like it needs to be a common why, a common goal that you both are working towards and that you guys agree upon. And so that's why these money conversations, these money date nights that we like to call them are so important where you guys are frequently touching base with each other, talking about money, talking about the budget, talking about your financial goals, talking about the vision for your life on a regular basis ongoing basis. Yeah. And speaking about uh, money date night, like how often do you connect with your husband? How often do you guys talk about money? Just, just call it a, (laughs) I think it's more of a, anytime we need to connect. So if that's three times in a week, and I mean, look, we're not spending more than like five or 10 minutes on, you know, whatever it is that we need to talk about. It's not anything formal. It's just like, Hey, I have this, this, and this coming up, you know, how can we adjust here? Like, it's like quick stuff. He will do the same for me. Um, so we're not sitting down taking, you know, 30 or 40 minutes to, you know, have a, have money discussions. It's just like, sometimes it's impromptu. And then other times it's like, okay, I need 15 minutes of your time. But I would definitely encourage couples to have those money dates because this is where you can, you know, make adjustments if needed. You know, this is where you can talk about things that may have happened. Maybe you've gone a little bit over the budget. And so I think these meetings are a good way for couples to actually, you know, have some connection in regards to the finances. And again, they don't need to be long and drawn out of, you know, a few minutes. Talk, you know, talk about what you need and get moving. So that's just my thoughts on that. So like what what advice do you give to couples who are in a relationship where one is the saver and one is the spender? Like they have totally different money habits, you know, like thankfully RJ and I, you know, we're pretty much on the same page when it comes to money. And we have been, you know, because we started the work. 10 years ago, right? When we first started dating. So like, what advice would you give to couples who are like, okay, Danielle, I'm hearing you, but you know, my husband or wife is not coming along with me. Like what, what can you tell, tell those people? First thing that comes to mind, compromise, you know, there's, there's gotta be some give and take. You can't always win. Your spouse can't always win. Right. And so that's the that's the biggest thing um, that comes to mind for me. Again, know your why. Sit down and, you know, talk about those financial goals. Talk about 
where it is you're trying to go. Because if you have a common goal in mind, if both of you are looking at the same goal, I mean, wouldn't you want to do everything you can to get there? And if that means being on the same page with your spouse, do it, do it. Like it's, it's just as simple. And I know that it sounds simple, you know, and it is going to take some work, but definitely compromise, stay focused, you know, and, and just try to, you know, work through those things. And then again, just know your why, know why you're trying, why you are trying to do this. Those are probably the biggest three for me. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. Great advice. So, you know, money is a huge topic for couples. It's a challenge for a lot of couples. And, you know, I think the work that we're both trying to do um, is just try to help couples along this journey, help couples, you know, have easier money conversations and ultimately help them build a legacy. So Danielle, you're doing great work in this space. And it has been a pleasure having you on the Rich by Intention podcast. So For all of our listeners, where can they find you? Yeah, thank you so much. They can find me everywhere at Money in Matrimony. So that's Money and I in Matrimony. So I'm most active on Instagram. So that's where you'll you'll get to connect with me a little bit more. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Danielle. You know, we we love your page. Like you're you're doing great work and we definitely wanted just to showcase the things that you're doing. We think it's definitely impactful to to marry couples Mm -hmm. and, you know, continue doing what you're doing, wish you continued success. And thank you for joining. Thank you. I really appreciate the time today. Okay. Well, thank you, Danielle. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Remember, it all starts with intention. See you next week.